This is a special world report with a friend of Megagoria. Okay, let's start off with Bishop Gomez. I have a question to Bishop Gomez, who's the head of the Bishop's Conference. Bishop Gomez, what are you going to do now? You talked very tough on January 19th, and then you went into emergency meetings with the Catholic Conference after I released the writing of Blind to Your Wrong. Talk is cheap, Gomez. So what are you going to do? Are you going to stand up? Are you just going to talk? Are you just going to be silent? Catholic Supreme Justice, the head chief justice, he switched over his vote for abortion, killing babies when the heart starts beating. More scandalous, Justice Roberts didn't have to do that because the vote that stopped the killing in Texas when the heart started beating. Gomez, Roberts didn't even have to do that because five justices voted to allow the Texas law. So, Bishop Gomez, what are you going to do about Roberts, a Catholic, who added his vote to three liberals, making the vote five to four? I want to know this. Where's the excommunication by the U.S. bishops? There's not going to be one, you cowards. Where's your press conference? Your derelict of duty makes you and the whole bishop conference traitors, traitors to the peasants in the pew, and support the killing. Roberts voted for this. He didn't have to do it. Where's your press conference to say we denounce this guy? We want to excommunicate him by officially recognizing his excommunication. But you're not going to do that. I wish there was a stronger word than cowards. No guts. There's a righteous anger. And it's rising in the pew. And this is not your first opportunity to do something, Roberts. There's probably easily 20 violations of the Catholic faith that he could be excommunicated for, and you've done nothing. You're guilty. You're part of it. And you're going to pay big for it. This is about as blatant as it can be of what y'all do, nothing for our church, that is in decline. Shepherds is described very clearly in the Bible. The good shepherd is Jesus, and the shepherds who do not take care of the flock are bad shepherds. I'm saying that to you, Gomez. You're an apostate to the faith. History is going to be very, very severe to you. Roberts is spitting in your face. Oh, that on Vidal Rosary they spit in Jesus' face. But they didn't believe in Jesus. 
you supposedly and Roberts is in your face because he has no fear of you, that you don't touch him. I'm telling you, we are disgusted of no action. All you people that listen to this broadcast, all the people you in other countries, it's time to we confront our bishops. The derelict of their jobs is prevalent. The pressure cooker is stopped up. There's no safety valve. It's going to blow up. And it's blowing in your face now. I can't imagine that a Catholic chief justice of the Supreme Court would not at least, knowing that it's going to win anyway, that he didn't go make it 6-3 to three instead of 5-4. to four. You're going to let him get away with that? If the law was going to pass anyway to save these babies, why didn't he just cast his vote? That's what I mean. He's spitting in your face. That I'm Catholic, and I'm voting with the liberals to kill babies when their heart starts. Be proud of your clothes. Be proud of your staff and your position. I'm not. I'm ashamed. I love the Catholic faith. I'll die a Catholic. I'll never change it. I'll never turn against it. But you have. I am ashamed of you. Disgusting. It's very difficult for us peasants in the pew to understand the lack of discernment of the bishops. I'm astounded with it. And we got bishops now covering the United States, refusing to give religious exemptions if they don't take the vaccination. Where is your discernment? There's a war between pro-vaccination versus anti-vaccination. And don't say they're both the right. One's right, one's wrong. When you allow this forcing, and if you're in Italy right now, or you're in France, Australia, you have to have a card. In Italy, they call it the green card. We have friends told us in Italy, you can't buy anything at the grocery stores. You're not allowed into the store to buy. And you can't sell anything. Bishops, does that make you think something about what you read that summer for? Is it a storybook? Is it a fairy tale? You can't buy or sell. Go Google a woman trying to go into the grocery store in France. Basically, they beat her up and put her to the ground. She tried to go in the grocery store because she didn't have the vaccination. You mean she couldn't go buy? Where have we heard that before? I wonder if the peasants in the pew really have heard that before. And your lofty PhDs and all these things in scholar and theology, and you can't see where this is going to control people? For what purpose? There's every evidence of everything. There's something going on on a biblical nature, and you're still not 
opening your mouth about it is either because there's no discernment or no prayer, no fasting, no sacrificing to see the signs of the times of the Virgin Mary of Medjugorje, who has clearly told us this. I talked about this last week, and I'm not covering the same ground, but now the thing with Roberts comes up, and the vaccinations, and the pressure, and demanding, and you have to do this, and you can't buy anything, you're not going to be able to sell your goods. You treat it like a fairy tale. The Bible, you can neither buy nor sell. We have an antichrist system. I would love to hear bishops to get on a puppet and start saying, this system is diabolical. The vaccination forcing is diabolical. And why is the agenda so big to push the vaccination? And why is the power so powerful that somebody, when they got a position and that they're not going to vaccinate, or even if they give a remedy for coronavirus, they get attacked. Joe Rogan is very well known. He's got 13 million people following him. He's on Spotify. He did a personal video, and he just sat there and said, hey, people, this is not on Spotify. This is not on his podcast. And he just says, hey, I got sick. I got the corona. He just puts on this video what he said as far as the medicines he took. And in three days, he felt great. He got attacked viciously. He's got a $100 million contract with Spotify. And he had to recount that. See, they had them around on the neck. A big contract. You can't say that. How could you dare say something like that? That should give somebody discernment. Something's not clicking right. So listen to his clip and what he said. Hello, friends. So I got back from the road Saturday night feeling very weary. I had a headache and I just felt just run down. And just to be cautious, I separated from my family, slept in a different part of the house. And throughout the night, I got fevers and sweats and I knew what was going on. So I got up in the morning, got tested, and it turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. Uh, and I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip. And I did that three days in a row. And so here we are on Wednesday and I feel great. So Rogan was put on the rack and basically skinned alive. For just saying that to everybody out there that gives you discernment, you can see everything and understand it through that and build your discernment and make a decision of what's going on. Why can't the bishops see it? If you see it, who are listening to this, people who write from us in Africa, they see it. New Zealand from last week said they saw it, but our bishops don't see it. But I think they do. It just takes guts. It takes to be Jesus. None of which are they are at this moment with the issues of today. From the Supreme Court all the way down to Afghanistan, 
nothing, no words, silence. CNN's Don Lemon, listen to him. You can gain discernment by what he says about those who do not take vaccination. Listen to him. The FDA tweeting, you're not a horse, you're not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. You're not a horse, you're not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. So let me get this straight. Think about this, okay? You won't get vaccinated. You won't wear a mask. You say, oh, you're worried about the FDA approval. You don't know what's in the vaccine. But you'll take a drug meant for deworming livestock? Really? You're going to trust your health and your life to rumors and misinformation? Just the latest in the hall of shame of COVID misinformation. Lying voices, twisting everything. You're not a horse. You're not a cow. I know a doctor. We know him very well. And he's been prescribing ivermectin. I know three people now that's on it, and it works. But what Don Lemon's not telling you is there is one for animals, but there's also a human consumption one. It's different for people. See, they twist the lies. And ivermectin has shown repeatedly, just like Rogan, he was cured within three days. It's a vital part of defeating corona. Don Lemon also said that for you who don't get vaccinations, should not be allowed in a hospital. And he said, if you go there, you should be refused because you didn't take a vaccination and you shouldn't have the right to using the resources of the hospital. Does that sound like somebody really has empathy or loves humanity? No, it shows he's on the side of an agenda. How come all you listeners get it and our bishops don't? Let me give you some truth serum. The Bible tells us toward the end times, the apostles asked Jesus about it. He says there'll be earthquakes, storms, diseases, pestilence, all sorts of things. That's the birth pangs. That is the beginning of the end. And we know who's going to come there first. The woman of Revelation. We know what she's here for to do. Your computers are going away. Your cell phones are going away. All these things won't be. Remember, our lady said at the turn of the millennium, you have a possibility. Remember, possibility for a century of peace. But man has to stop sinning. That hasn't happened. We're going to play a clip that's about 11 minutes. It is all the evidence you need to know about corona. It's on John Hopkins Institute. Has it on their website. The World Economic Forum helped put it together. And thirdly, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. See, it always packs back to them. It's called Event, 
EVENT201. And what it's about, there was an exercise by 15 people and 130 other people that was invited for it. Very powerful people, influential people, or people in positions. They presented a scenario to these people in the form that they were meeting about. And they had simulated newscasts throughout the three and a half hours they met. Each of one of these fake newscasts about a concern of a global pandemic. Every time the newscasts shown to these 130 people presented by the 15 people, it would show GNN as a network instead of CNN. So they got GNN to give reality to it of what would happen. Then they go through everything that happens. This meeting was on a Friday, October 18th, 2019. The whole three-and-a-half-hour meeting literally says exactly and plays out what's happened with corona. And after this meeting, about two months later, corona comes on the scene. It's an amazing clip. I recommend you go look at this. Google Event 201. But we're going to play the clip. You can watch it yourself. It's not a prophecy. They were planning this. You can't even question it. If the bishops look at this, maybe they would be enlightened a little bit. Or maybe they'll say what the people that's saying that this is a fake thing made up. Because when something like this happens... For the fact-check people, they'll fund people to say it's fake. There's several things out there. Oh, this event 201, is it real? We did the research on that, and they said, oh, they didn't know that was coming. It's just a coincidence that they explained everything about corona and everything that was going to happen and what was going to global. We have to get government involved. We have to get industry involved, the medical world all the countries involved with this. Because we got to be ready for this pandemic. Are you going to listen even about the airports? You're going to hear them talk about airlines being grounded? Everything that they discussed at October 18th, 2019, is in its 11 minutes. So what you're going to hear is impossible to be so dead-owned, so descriptive, so bullseyed exactly happens and how it works out, and then two months after this meeting, corona broke out. It began in healthy-looking pigs, months, perhaps years ago. A new coronavirus spread silently within herds. Gradually, farmers started getting sick. Infected people got a respiratory illness with symptoms ranging from mild flu-like signs to severe pneumonia. The sickest required intensive care. Many died. Experts agree unless it is quickly controlled, it could lead to a severe pandemic, an outbreak that circles the globe and affects people everywhere. 
The mission of the Pandemic Emergency Board is to provide recommendations to deal with the major global challenges arising in response to an unfolding pandemic. The board is comprised of highly experienced leaders from business, public health, and civil society. We could be looking at double the number of cases in one week and 16 times as many in a month if we are not able to stop the spread. That would be on the order of half a million cases and it would continue to rise exponentially. In three months, we could be approaching 10 million cases. We're at the start of what's looking like it will be a severe pandemic. And there are problems emerging that can only be solved by global business and governments working together. We have known about caps-like viruses in animals and people for decades, but have not been successful at developing a licensed vaccine. And sure, there are new technologies that may help, but it's going to be difficult. I am not optimistic about having a vaccine in time to be relevant during this pandemic. So the policy crisis in question for this board in this meeting is this. How should governments, business, and international organizations allocate and distribute pandemic antivirals and medical supplies to the people who need them most? What we've seen work uh, very well in the HIV field is in fact procurement through the Global Fund. So having a centralized mechanism, so financial, financially able to procure on behalf of affected countries okay. would be critical. I think the second thing, the second thing is um, it's going to be very important that for the business sector, for manufacturers of anti antivirals, that we have clarity around what the need is and where the need is and who are making the decisions. I think that given that uh, the countries most affected are those that are low and middle income countries with unequal access to technology, to, to finances, uh, the UN has a, a worldwide uh, footprint, universally uh, recognized and uh, universal membership. A global stockpile would certainly help ensure more rational and strategic allocation, but the reality is that we don't have the logistics capability, even within the UN, to bring that together in one place and run it. So this is where I think a collaboration between the international organizations like the World Health Organization and the private sector, which runs these supply chains for many purposes every day, understand where the supplies are, make smart decisions about how to allocate them to the people who need them in the places that need them the most, and then work with the industry to move those supplies from where they are today to where they need to be. Just to underscore the point that cooperation among supply chain providers or businesses that have huge supply chains mm -hmm. can add a lot of efficiency to the whole process. The question is, can you, through this international mechanism, really promote commitments to doing this as quickly as possible and give people a sense that actually if they contribute more, that they will have a, a better chance of protecting their own populations and their country's security and health. So to be completely clear, most uh, of this production would already be committed in contracts. Yes. Uh, it is almost unheard of that people are producing product without having a forward commitment for the consumption of that product. So the first thing that needs to be done, because this is not something that the countries currently control, unless countries are going to bring about emergency situations and co-opt an existing supply chain. I think it's not likely, I agree, that, that countries are not going to buy, uh, buy a countermeasure to put into a global supply without retaining a large portion of it for themselves.
public health agencies have issued travel advisories, while some countries have banned travel from the worst affected areas. As a result, the travel sector is taking a huge hit. Travel bookings are down 45% and many flights have been canceled. A ripple effect is racing through the service sector. Governments that rely on travel and tourism as a large part of their economies are being hit particularly hard. How should national leaders, businesses, and international organizations balance the risk of worsening disease that would be caused by the continued movement of people around the world against the risks of profound economic consequence of travel and trade bans? If there's some sense that there's a UN institution that can do all of this, then I, I, I worry we're suffering from a delusional disorder on the power of the UN. Uh, it's really important to get those industries and their trade associations and a, an efficient leadership established, which is decentralized, uh, but has a collective responsibility and accountability. And that needs to be supported by um, the public uh, leadership. What is essential, what is non-essential travel, we have to clarify this. Otherwise, if we go down to 20% bookings over a long period, the company will run down. That's a fact. Yeah, there's a whole complex set of issues in a highly interdependent world on supply chains that are just in time. We need to think about how much flex there is in that just-in-time supply chain system and make sure it keeps running. I think it's going to take specificity and it's going to take knowledge that only the private sector has. The UN can play an important coordinating facilitation role, but the companies know where those commodities are, where they move, how to move them, and that's where a, a, a type of public-private collaboration that we have not generally had in these crises needs to be put together pretty quickly. We are not out of money, yet. But the fact is we are trending in a dangerous direction and something needs to change. So the policy question for this board now is how should financial resources be prioritized? Are there nodes that we cannot allow to fail? What is your sense of priorities? We don't have money to pay for all of these urgent problems. So at the moment, we want the funds, right? You need the money. So where's the money? So government kind of supplies our money. A lot of you know, private sectors, you know, some are sitting here, you have some money. But now you need a really coordinated, centralized efforts. Hotels will be, will be experiencing, you know, crippling losses doing that. And we know that the hotel business in itself makes up 5% of the GDP. Governments need to be willing to do things that are out of their historical perspective. Or, for the most part, it's, it's really a, a war footing that we need to be on. We shouldn't underestimate the uh, power of entrepreneurship. We need to escalate that, whether it's through you know, the governments um, helping with tax breaks or you know, subsidies of that nature to, to, to increase manufacturing of those types of products. It can happen quickly. A Marshall-type plan, uh, you know, I don't mean to say that exactly, but a Marshall plan that can go into effect uh, can stimulate a change very quickly. Countries are reacting in different ways as to how best to manage the overwhelming amounts of dis- and misinformation circulating over the Internet. In some cases, limited Internet shutdowns are being implemented to quell panic. How much control of information should there be? And by whom? And how can false information be effectively challenged? And what if that false information is coming from companies or from governments? 
I think it's very important that we make sure that there is concise communication with all healthcare facilities where these patients are being treated so that there isn't mass panic. We're at a moment where the social media platforms have to step forward and recognize the moment to assert that they're a technology platform and not a broadcaster is, is over. Um, they, in fact, have to be a participant in broadcasting accurate information and partnering with the scientific and health communities mm -hmm. to counterweight, if not flood the zone, of accurate information. Because to, try to put the genie back in the bottle of the misinformation and disinformation is nigh impossible. One thing we haven't spoken about, and I'm wondering whether it's time to talk about this, is uh, a step up from the part of the governments on enforcement actions against fake news. I personally do not believe that trying to shut things down in terms of information is either practical or desirable. And we do have, I think, a, a couple of strategies that are available to us, one of which is the flood strategy, second of which is relying and informing and equipping trusted uh, sources of information with the facts so they can then pass that on. But we also need to actually think about a technological answer to this. The outcome of the CAPS pandemic in Event 201 was catastrophic. 65 million people died in the first 18 months. The outbreak was small at first and initially seemed controllable, but then it started spreading in densely crowded and impoverished neighborhoods of megacities. From that point on, the spread of the disease was explosive. Within six months, cases were occurring in nearly every country. The global economy was in a free fall the GDP down 11%. Stock markets around the world plummeted between 20 and 40% and headed into a downward cycle of fear and low expectation. Businesses were not borrowing, banks were not lending. Everyone was just hoping to hunker down and weather the storm. Economists say the economic turmoil caused by such a pandemic will last for years, perhaps a decade. The societal impacts, the loss of faith in government, the distrust of news, and the breakdown of social cohesion could last even longer. We have to ask, did this need to be so bad? Are there things we could have done in the five to ten years leading up to the pandemic that would have lessened the catastrophic consequences? We believe the answer is yes. So are we, as a global community, now finally ready to do the hard work needed to prepare for the next pandemic? Governments need to be willing to do things that are out of their historical perspective or for the most part, it's, it's really a, a war footing that we need to be on. We shouldn't underestimate the uh, power of entrepreneurship. We need to escalate that, whether it's through you know, the governments um, helping with tax breaks or you know, subsidies of that nature to, to, to increase manufacturing of those types of products. It can happen quickly. A Marshall-type plan, uh, you know, I don't mean to say that exactly, but a Marshall plan that can go into effect uh, can stimulate a change very quickly. Jerry, the military guy said, it's going to be like warlike. And then another guy, Brad Conant, says we have to have a martial like plan. See, he didn't say martial law. The general says right before that, it's going to be like a war. And then Brad says, martial like plan. That's martial law. And that's what's happened in Australia. 
Italy, other places, we're seeing this type behavior being imposed. On the presentation is Bill and Linda Gates Foundation, well, well known for population control and to decrease the number of people on the earth through vaccination. It's amazing that on that same day, October 18th, 2019, Yvonne has an apparition with a message, which has been rare because he's usually back in the States. He described the apparition, and he says, quote, For a longer time, Our Lady prayed in a special way for peace, for peace in the world. She invited us as well in a special way in this time to pray for peace. And this meeting is going on, explaining what's about to happen. It's just like if the military was going to do some kind of launch of a strike, that they would go over the plan what they're about to launch in their attack. I recommend strongly that you look at this yourself. It's called Event 201. Their website is called centerforhealthsecurity.org. That's all one word, no spaces. Centerforhealthsecurity.org. Or either you can look up Event 201. Learn this, study it, teach it to your kids, give it to your friends, to your family. There's so many things happening. It's going faster and faster and faster. The speed of the fall is increasing. Next Thursday, we're going to have a special metronomics because you have to make some decisions right now, immediately, for your future. We'll cover those things next week. There's so much to tell you tied to the messages. So many things you need to be doing. The most important is awareness of what's happening around you and what the decisions you need to be making. When we have a situation, what I began this broadcast with, about Roberts and the bishops, where are we? I tell you where we are. We're lost. We're not lost in the forest. We're lost in the desert. We're starving. Nothing to drink except LA's messages. Thank God she is here with us. She's our hope. Because Jesus put everything into her hands. God the Father put everything in her hands. And the Holy Spirit is with her in her messages. Don't stay at the level you are. Go deeper into the messages and what Our Lady is calling you to do. Tune in next Thursday. It's going to be an important broadcast that you have to act on. We wish you, Lady. We love you. Good night.